You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Living in a foreign land, believer strangers are to be mindful of how they use their time, talent, and energies to serve God. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and this is Words of Encouragement. We are to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and, and I like that uh, choir special, uh, the follow Jesus medley. That is good stuff. But it reminds us, it reminds us of who we are. We are God's children and we have someone we follow. But as we've been looking through First Peter, we've made it to chapter 4 today. And living in a foreign land, I've entitled this, Believer Strangers are to be mindful of how we use our time, our talents, and our energies, and our energies to serve God. As we live in this world facing persecution at times, and some of us more actual persecution, some of our brothers and sisters in other lands, other countries, uh, other nations, uh, such as some countries in Africa, and some countries and nations in Asia, um, there are, it's, it's a tough place to be a Christian. Uh, but here in America, we, would, we we've consider ourselves persecuted if someone says they don't believe the same way we do. <laughs> we run across someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. We say, well, they're just, I'm being persecuted. They don't, they don't believe like I do. And that's not persecution. We are not near persecution just because someone disagrees with us on how we believe. That is not persecution. But the world is watching us. They're watching us and they're looking at us and they're saying, well, these are Christian people. So what are Christian people to be like? And unfortunately, in our day and times, a painting of a Christian has been made by those who claim to be Christians. I say that, I don't know for sure if they are or not, but their behavior seems to show that maybe they are not. It's very hard to reconcile their behavior with the claim that they... But unfortunately for some in this world, a picture of a Christian has been painted as one who is angry all the time. One who is against everything that they see. And that is not the painting of a Christian that you and I are to be painting. And I pray to the good Lord in heaven that that is not the picture we are painting of what a Christian looks like. When you and I go about in our daily lives in this community, I pray to the good Lord up in heaven that we are not painting a picture of a Christian that is angry and against everything. They need to know in this world who we're for. We are for Jesus. We are for His Word. We are about following Jesus. They need to know that. Well, Brother Craig, they know it because we tell them what we're against. No, no. <laughs> they just look at us and say, well, y'all just y'all, y'all, don't even, y'all can't have fun. Y'all, y'all are against everything. Y'all, y'all, y'all just, you, you're weird people. You, you Christians. And I, I, I do, on Facebook, look at some posts every now and then from people that I, I people I know, people I do not know, and see the answers, uh, comments made by people who are, do not believe in Jesus and who say things like, Bible's just a made-up book. Religion, that's just a crutch, all this Jesus stuff. None of that's true. You people are believing something that's not true. Your fictional book. I've seen these phrases online. 
And does it bother me? Yes, it bothers me. Does it anger me? Yes, it angers me. Do I attack these people? No, I do not attack these people because that's not going to do any good. That's just going to feed the picture they already have, the painting they already have of what a Christian looks like. And that's just going to, they're going to say, see, told you, told you. Look at that. Told you. This is how these Christians are. I knew it. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of that. But we're to live for Jesus. The question that needs to be asked and was asked by a former seminary president of Southwestern Seminary, are you touching the world and impacting eternity through how you live? Are you touching the world and impacting eternity? Are you reaching into the lives of the people in this world and in doing so, leaving the seed of the gospel to where you're impacting eternity? What are we doing? What are you and I doing in this world? Only you can answer that question. Only you can consider your actions and your words before you share them and determine whether or not they're going to bring glory to God and point others to Him. In 1 Peter chapter 4, I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Looking at 1 Peter Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. May God bless the reading of His Word. I invite you to be seated this morning. The first thing I picked up as I read this passage is that believers need to die to themselves. They need to die to themselves. What in the world are you saying, preacher? I'll tell you in a moment. We need to die to ourselves. Jesus suffered and died in the flesh. And with that same determination and care with which a soldier puts on his armor... Believers are to adopt Christ's attitude or thought toward persecution. What is this attitude? What is this thought? It is an unswerving determination to do God's will. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I name the name, I carry with me the name of Christ. I'm determined in my mind and in my heart to do that which God wants me to do. That's the attitude. Christ had this attitude. He was sent from heaven to earth. And His attitude was that He is going to please His Father. He came with a mission. He came on a mission. And He came with a mission to share and preach the news of the kingdom, the coming kingdom of God. And He came to die for you and for me. He came determined to do, to carry out that mission no matter what. And that same attitude you and I ought to have no matter what. Oh, what if, what, oh, but, oh, but brother preacher man, oh, you mean that I need to be at that point where if God calls me to go to another state and share the good news that I need to do that? Well, maybe I can do that. Oh, brother preacher man, oh, don't you say it. Do you mean if God wants me to go to another country and be a missionary in that country, and live there in that country, and share the good news of Jesus, do you mean that I need to be open to doing that? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's the attitude that what God has called us to do, we will do no matter what. That's tough. It's, real, it's a real deal. That's big time. 
That's not, that's not, this is not, you know, we're not talking about something that's just easy to talk about, you know, easy to do. No, it's easy to talk about and difficult to do because it's something God has called us to do. And when God calls us to do something, he's going to give us, he's going to give us what we need to carry it out. He's going to enable us to do what he's called us to do. And we get squeamish, we get squirmy because we think, well, I don't know that I can do that. And, and you're right, you would be right. Well, okay then, preacher, I'm staying home. No, 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 no. God calls on you, and He enables you, and he will, uh, he will help you to do what He's called you to do. So there's no reason for us to get squeamish and say, well, I just don't know how to do it. I don't know what... No, no, no. God is going to help you. God is going to empower you. He's going to enable you. You be faithful. We are to be faithful. We are to be determined to do whatever God calls us to do without worrying about it. I have truly discovered and understood a lot better in recent days about worrying. When I am worrying, what am I not doing? I'm not trusting in God. Simply put, when I worry, I'm not trusting. So what do I need to do? I need to be over here, don't I? I need to be trusting. But I get over here. And I worry. It's a sense of control. It's a, it's a desire in all of us to control a situation, to do something. We have to feel like we can do something about a problem. We need to follow Jesus. We need to allow Him to work through us. We need to allow God to do what He's called us to do through us by being obedient and saying, having this attitude of, I'm going to do it no matter what happens. I don't care what happens. I'm going to do it. Well, what example do we have of somebody that we might have heard of or may have heard from uh, that lived this way? Who do we know? Well, I think you, if you remember, David and Jamie Rhymes, they were missionaries over in a, in a spot they couldn't really talk much about, but they shared with us one Sunday morning years ago. And David and Jamie told their parents, when they told their parents that they were called to missions, they were open. They were determined to go wherever God wanted them to go. They were determined that wherever He sends us, wherever He leads, I'll go. That place could be a dangerous place. That place could be a hostile to the gospel kind of place. That place could be a safe place that was open to the gospel. But they were determined to go wherever God wanted them to go. They were determined to go. Now I remember Paula, Jamie's mama, talking to me, telling me, Jamie said she's called to missions. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but I, I, I'm happy. I, she was trying so hard to... Now, her father was a pastor. Uh, but she was trying so hard to be strong, a strong Christian, and, and, and to not show any kind of worry or concern because she wanted to, you know, she wanted to put on the face of, hey, I'm, you know, it's going to be fine. My daughter's called to mission. I'm fine and happy about it. But finally, she was real with me, and she told me, she said, Brother Craig... I always raised them. I raised her to do whatever God called her. I just didn't know. I just didn't know that this was going to happen. I said, well, and, and she said, but I know it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay. And I said, you know what? It will be because God's going to take care. If God has called her to go, it's going to be okay. And we had a good discussion uh, that day. I remember that when that happened. But that place they were going, they were willing to go no matter where it was. Even if, it was, even if suffering was going to be a strong possibility, they were going to go. David and Jamie going. David and Jamie Rhymes going. Who knows where? Could suffer. Guess what? You know, their parents also had to come to that same conclusion. Wherever God leads them, they need to go. 
They needed to come to that conclusion. As parents, knowing that David is a Christian, knowing that Jamie is a Christian, knowing that if something did happen, they will see them again. This is temporary. Let me remind us all, this is temporary, this world in which we live. We're not here forever, but there's a place that we're going if we've trusted in Christ. That is, it is forever. So the parents had to arrive at that same attitude, that same thought of wherever He leads them, they need to go. Well, guess what? They were sent to a dangerous place. They were sent to a place uh, that was primarily a Muslim-controlled area. They did have to be careful, and they were careful. There was a strong possibility of something happening to them. I can tell you that now, but they were, but they were willing to suffer for their faith. They did not suffer due to uh, circumstances that occurred uh, with uh, their children being at their age their children were, and, and just things happening. They... they had to come off the field. They decided it was best if they came off the field. David now serves as without much threat of harm, except by maybe a fellow Christian uh, who needs a little more Jesus, if he, if he will. Uh, he serves as a go-and-tell pastor at the First Baptist Church of Woodbridge, Virginia. But that was a couple. That couple were willing to go, determined to, do, to go wherever God had called them to go, even if it meant a chance of suffering. So what is this suffering and, and ceasing to sin? This In the second part of verse 1 it says, Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You need to read this carefully. This is, a, this is about those who, who, who had died. The word suffered carries with it the meaning of suffered and died. Peter is saying we need to take on the same attitude and suffer and die to our bodies and our sinful natures. Just as Jesus died and was separated from the sins that were laid upon Him, we too are to die to the sins we committed and walk in the newness of life that God has given us. Look at verse 2. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Here, Peter answers the why of dying to our sinful natures. Why do we have to die to our sinful natures? Why can't we just give in to sin? Why can't we just do that? Because, listen, people are watching, number one. Number two, do well, let's see, really. Let's change that around. Number one, you want to please God. You don't want to sin and, and, and have God look at you and go, ah, here we are. You don't want that. You don't want to disappoint the Lord. Second, people are watching and they're wondering, are they caught up in sin? Do they continue in sin? I thought they were a Christian. How are they living their lives? I'm watching. And they're watching. Through Christ, you and I can live the rest of our time in this body, not for ourselves, but for the will of God. We are His children, sheep of His pasture. We are vessels. We are tools in the hands of a loving God who is ready to use us. Let us be useful in His hand. Let us be that tool He picks up when He wants someone to go across the street from your house. Let us be that tool that He picks up and says, I want this person to go to uh, Africa or Asia or Europe. Let us be that tool that God uses. Walter Kaiser Jr. writes this. He said, if Christ is really the one they are following, their great example, then suffering will separate them more and more from sinful acts, making them increasingly invested in heaven until they come to that point when they die like Christ and like Him are totally finished with sin and all its effects 
in this world. There will be a when sin will have no type of influence whatsoever in our or on our lives. There will be a day. I'm looking for an amen. There will be a day when sin will have no influence in our lives. Man, can you believe that? I mean, we walk day to day in this world and sin just, you know, one little thing at a time. Sometimes sin's like that, just somebody throwing popcorn one piece at a time at you. Doom, 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 doom. And sooner or later, you just go crazy and you just, you commit the sin. Because it just, the devil just keeps at it, at it, at it, at it. We are so influenced all the time by sin. And there's a place that we're going one day that there will be no influence of sin in our lives. There is a perfect place, and it's with God. Boy, I get excited when I think about that. To think that there's no, there, I'm not going to be influenced in any way towards sin. There's going to be a glorious time, a, the, the, a glorious day when we enter into that place called heaven where God Himself is, and there is no sin, no mourning, no crying. Oh, man, what a day. But believers, you and I, we, we, we who live Christ-filled lives, we've got to learn to die to ourselves and live for Christ. We've got to learn to, to focus. Focus on Jesus. All through the week, focus on Him. Oh, Brother Craig, i got to go to work. Yes, but in your work, how can you please God through what you do? I mean, there's many th ways that you can focus on Him all the way through the week. The second thing we see, believers' lives will show an obvious change. Look at verse 3. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatry. Oh, abominable idolatries. Wow. In other words, the sins you have committed are in the past. Look, you used to live this way. This is how you used to live. You've had time to do all that stuff. Now's the time to live for Christ. Now's the time. Not when you, oh, well, now, let's see. When I become, maybe, let's see, when I get to about 65, maybe then I'll start living for Jesus. Maybe then I will do, no, 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 no. We don't have that choice. If we've accepted Christ into our hearts, we are walking with Jesus. We are owned by Him. Let's think about this as in relation to the military. You join the military. Who owns you? Who owns your body? <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no, no. Above all of that, God owns my body if I've given my life to Him. Amen. True. True. But for practical purposes, military owns you. They can tell you when to get up in the morning. They can tell you when to, when to go to bed. They can tell you when to eat. They can tell you they, they own you. They are in charge of you. Some people have to be broken down. That happens in boot camp from what I understand. They learn how to follow orders. They learn that they are not in control, that someone else is. Listen, if you and I as Christians, as believers, will allow God to be in control of us like that, if we will allow Him to guide us and lead us where we need to be, say what we need to say, we're going to see God work in our lives. We're going to see things happen in our community. We're going to see things happen in our church if we allow God to be in charge of our lives. Yes, sir, Lord. Yes, I will go. Yes, I will go. It's a big yes. It's a not a no, I don't think so. No, I don't want to go. No, it's a yes. God says go. Yes, Lord. 
here I am. Let me go. Let me go. Believers will show an obvious difference in their lives. This desire, this will of the Gentiles, he talks about, is the will of the unsaved world. That's what he's talking about here. Look, having pursued a course of sensuality, he goes through all these sins. He talks about this. This, this. this is the way of the world. This is the course of the world, the will of the Gentiles. This is the way the unsaved world lives. And this is how we should not live. Before you came to Christ, you were under the influence of this world. This world told you this is what you do? Well, okay. This, the, the fashion world tells us what to do, doesn't it? And you see that I'm not, one of, I'm not one that's into the fashions. I'm a more classic person. Stay with the classic look. Basically, because I can't afford the fashions of the day. But still, I like the classic look, and that's what I do. But this world will tell you how to dress, if you let it. This world will tell you where to go to eat, if you let it. This world will tell you where to go on vacation, if you let it. I, we watch uh, Wheel of Fortune and uh, Jeopardy, and uh, I get to see it on. Fr I get to see Jeopardy on Fridays, and then Wheel of Fortune almost every day. And Wheel of Fortune will tell you you need to go here, and they, you know they will say this is just what you need. Oh, really? And they tell you what you need. Isn't that interesting? Our world will tell you what they, what it thinks you need, and many times we listen and we say, you know, I do need that. Hmm. Hadn't had it before, lived okay before, lived day to day, just doing fine. But all of a sudden, they're telling me I need this. Well, maybe I need this. <gasps> I do need this. Well, interesting. Needs and wants. It's a, that's another sermon. But obviously, I think you and I can see where Peter is going here. There is a marked difference between those who live under the influence of this world and those who live under the influence of Christ. And there should be a marked difference. Oh, man, there should be a marked difference. I mean, look, such a marked difference where people that encounter us know it and see. Now, the King James uses the word lasciviousness. Now, that's a good old word, uh, but it is old. And so it's like, huh? And uh, I had a friend of mine used to, used to poke fun. He'd say, don't get caught up in lasciviousness. You know, he'd say, you know, he thought that was hilarious. Um, my word translate that as sensuality. Well, the word that is used in the, in the original language, listen to what it means. In this verse, it means sinful abandon or indulgence in sensual pleasure unrestrained by convention or morality. Peter's saying people under the influence of this world live without any physical, mental, or moral filter. Nothing stops them from doing what they want to do. I want to do this, I'm going to do it. I don't care what people think. I sure don't care what those Christian people think. You know, they're a bunch of wackos anyway. I don't need them telling me how to live. And so I'm not listening to them. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. And there's, no, there's nothing inside of them that says, boop, 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 danger, danger, nothing. They just want to do what they want to do, and, they, and it's a shame. Now, there may be a voice, or was a voice, maybe at one time in their lives, that was the voice that sounded just like their mother, because it was their mother. And they had that voice in their minds. And any time they thought about doing something wrong, they thought, boy, Mama wouldn't like this. And sometimes Mama's long gone. Mama has passed away, but sometimes that voice is still there. Still there. What are you doing? You know, Mama wouldn't be, he would, she would not like this. She would not like it if I did this. 
Mama wouldn't like it. And sometimes that holds some people back for, a, for some periods of time. It's got to be something inside of us, though. There's got to be something inside of us. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. Inside of us, working through us and, out, and outward. That is the only way that you and I can live a life pleasing to the Lord. We can't, you, you know, there's no law that can be made that says you've got to be good and then everybody's good. No, there's got to be something inside of us. Well, listen, here in this passage, Peter is saying that people under the influence of this world, they simply just do what they want to do. There's no regard for the law. There's no regard for the law. Hey, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Warren Wiersbe said this. I found this fascinating and very true. Lost sinners imitate each other as they conform to the fashions of this world. Lost sinners imitate each other as they conform to the fashions of this world. Not just talking about the clothing of this world, but the ways of this world. Lost sinners imitate. That's what they do. They just imitate each other. Oh, look, so-and-so's doing this. Hey, everybody else is doing this. I can do this. Oh, somebody's, somebody's wearing this. Everybody else wear. Oh, I'm going to wear this. Oh, oh this is, this is, I'm going to try this. What is this? This is some kind of drug? Well, they're okay. They're living. I'm going to try it too. It's, it's, it's amazing how that, how that works. But the influence of the world is heavy. Look at verse 4. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same ex, into the same exercises of dissipation and they, and they malign you. Unsaved people, people who are not under the influence of Christ, they don't understand radical changes in people's lives. They don't get that. They don't understand that. They don't understand how one day somebody can be just like they are and then another day is totally different and they continue in that way. They don't get that. They don't understand that. Those without Christ will not understand when you do not run with them and do what you used to do with them. They will poke fun at you. They will, you may say, persecute you because you don't fit into their norm. Let me remind you of the story of Buddy Graham. Not Billy, Buddy. Buddy worked for the fire department in Natchitoches, and Buddy used to drink with his friends, his buddies, buddies, buddies. He used to <laughs> drink with them, and they used to go, and believe it or not, I know this is just sad, but they used to go to a fire tower and drink. He told me this. He said, but he, he accepted Christ, and his buddies start not started noticing. They noticed he stopped drinking. They noticed he cleaned his language up. He wasn't cussing with them along like they used to do. They noticed, and they asked, buddy, you okay? But he said, I'm fine. I'm the same guy. What do you mean? They said, no, something's different. Something's different. And they pushed him until he finally said, you know, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I guess that maybe that's the difference. Then they knew. Then they knew. They knew he was not the same man. There was a definitive line between the man he was and the man he was becoming. And people noticed. That's you, that's me. In this world, people need to notice. They need to see it. Oh, and we shouldn't care. We should have that attitude of... And that determination that says we're going to do what God wants us to do no matter what. We're going to do what, he, do what He wants us to do. We're going to live the way He wants us to live. We're going to sing the way He wants us to sing. We're going to say the words He wants us to say because we don't care if we get persecuted. We don't care because we're doing what God wants us to do. Believers' lives will be radically different from the rest of the world. Unbelievers, listen to this. Now, I know you're, you're thinking, we're looking at this and we're looking at these people persecuting Christians. We're looking at this and we're looking and we're saying, well, oh my goodness, wait a minute. What about these people? Don't they get theirs? When do they get punished? When do they get in trouble? I don't know what it is, but we have a fascination as, as humans in this world to see justice. You know, we want to see it served. 
we want to see it. We want to know that somebody that did something wrong got in trouble and was punished for it. We just have this thing in our heads about this. Uh, sometimes we get overly concerned about it, though. We wonder when they will be weighed in the scales, the balances, and when they will be found wanting, and when, we, they, when will they get there? We tend to want people to pay for their sins, and we want to make sure we see it happening, or we know that it's happened. You know, we just have this thing inside of us sometimes. But look at verse 5. But they will give an account to him. Talking about these these who are pushing you, saying, well, you're not running with us anymore. Why aren't you with us? You changed friends. Why aren't you doing what we do? They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. God is a just God. He will take care of them. Our duty, our role in this world is to love them to Jesus. That's what we're to do. We're to love them to Jesus. If we sit and point out all the wrongs they're doing, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. They, don't want, they want to do what they want to do. They don't want somebody telling them that they're doing wrong. Well, then you come alongside them. You love them. You treat them fairly. You treat them justly. You treat them nicely. You show them what Jesus looks like. And when they, when they watch and they see that you're not, you're not just jumping all over them and judging them and telling them how wrong they are, they're going to start asking some questions. Don't you think what I'm doing is wrong? There's your open door. Yes. Well, why aren't you telling me? Well... I think you know. You wouldn't be asking me. Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, well, well, do you care about me? Yes, I do. That's why I've been walking with you in life. That's why I've been keeping up with you. That's why I keep calling you. That's why I'm, <laughs> I keep texting you. I want to know where you are. I, what, I want to know what's going on. You're loving people to Jesus. It takes time. It takes an investment. But our duty is to do that. As we watch those who continue in sin, though, if we're overly concerned about them getting theirs, if we're overly concerned about them getting punished, we don't need to worry about that. God's going to deal with them. Hey, isn't that a burden off your shoulder? We don't have to worry about it. Well, you know, they've gone so long. And I know they hadn't done any, anything uh, illegal to get put in jail for, but they sure need to get in trouble for, for all that unethical behavior they've been in and a part of. They sure need to get in trouble for all the gossip they've shared. They sure need to get... I just think somebody ought to do something about it. God is going to do something about it. Yes. It's going to be okay. You and I don't need to be worrying. We need to be trusting we don't need to be worried about when they're going to get theirs. We need to be trusting the Lord. God says He's going to do something about it. Let's let Him do that. What a novel idea. Dr. George Truitt, the late pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, said this. He said, there is a point where God and man must meet, either in grace or judgment. And at the point, both are revealed as they are. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. A point where God and man must meet, either in grace or in judgment. And at that point, both are revealed as they are, whether they were a follower of Christ or not. Look at verse 6. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Notice this gospel has been preached to them, even to those who were dead, those who were put to death, those who lived for God, those who followed Him, those who lived with Him, but were put to They heard the gospel before they died, they accepted it, and now they live in the Spirit according to the will of God. All of us, all of us will be judged 
But for those of us who have accepted Christ, we will be accepted into heaven. There will not need to be worry or concern if we have asked Christ to come into our hearts and we're walking with Him daily. Walk with Him. My question for you, when you meet God, will you be dealt with according to your actions or to the actions of Christ on the cross? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? Have you done that? Are you sorry for your sins? Have you asked Him to forgive you? Have you asked Him to come into your life and to be in charge? He will forgive you, the Bible says. That's the best news I've ever heard. The fact that if you call on His name, you will be saved. The fact that if you ask Him to forgive you, He will forgive you, the Bible says. There there is no need for us to, oh, I don't know. I asked Him to forgive me, but I'm just not sure if He forgave me. The Bible tells us He will if we ask from our hearts. He will forgive us. That's good news. Man, that's good news. To know that He will. Will you let Him today? Have you asked Him? Have you asked Him? Believers who lead Christ-filled lives have learned to die to themselves. They've learned to live for Christ. Believers' lives will be radically different from that of the rest of the world. And believers need not worry about those who go seemingly go unpunished because it sure seems like they just, are, they just got away with so much. Brother Craig, now listen, if you... Let me tell you something else. If you are living with that in your heart, if you have a person you know that it just troubles you, and that's what you think about too much of the time. They just, I just, Brother Craig, they, just, they get away with this and this and this. Look, if that is consuming who you are, if you think about that more than you think about trusting in Jesus, if you think about that person more than anything else, something's wrong. Let me say, as your pastor, you got a problem, and you need to deal with it. You need to let God deal with them. Let Him deal with him. He is a just God. He is a holy God. His ways are above our ways. His ways are superior to our ways. God's judgments are sure. They are correct. They will be correct. And we're sitting over here on the sidelines. Well, I just think they need blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Let God be God. Let him do what he does best. And you and I Let us be the faithful children of His who are walking, determined. Even if we may face somebody saying something bad about us, wrong about us, untrue about us, let us be the ones who live for Jesus no matter what. Let us be the ones who live with Him, for Him, alongside of Him, no matter what. No matter what comes our way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You, O God, for this beautiful day that You've given to us. Lord, I thank You for this Word from Your Word. And Father, I pray that hearts have heard your voice, that, they've, that somehow in, in the feeble preaching of a, of a person, of a man in this world, that Father, you used the scripture, your word, to speak to your people. Father, that's what we pray. That's what I pray today. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has never given their heart to Christ, Maybe today's the day. Maybe the day's the day they come and they say, look, I need Jesus. I need Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you have a heavy heart for someone who is hurting, someone who does not know Jesus. Would you take some time to pray for them today? Don't give up. Never give up praying for them. Never give up. Father, we thank You for this time this morning. And we ask Your blessings throughout this day, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and if you are ever near Winsboro, Louisiana, come visit us. Just come and visit with us. We'd love to meet you, greet you, and get to know you. Uh, We're praying for you as you seek to live in this age as a follower of Christ. We are to stick out. People should notice us, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We act differently. We live differently. We speak differently because we belong to God. Until next time, this has been Words of Encouragement.